Hi there, my name is Alex Faust, and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week, we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from today. And I'm very, very excited to be joined today by Herman Simon. And if you're not familiar, uh, Herman is the founder and honorary chairman of Simon Kutram Partners, the world's leading price consultancy with over 40 offices in 24 countries. He's published over 40 books translated into 27 languages, including the worldwide bestsellers Hidden Champions and Confessions of the Pricing Man, of which we have as a learning suite inside uh, of the Edge. And today, I'm very excited to welcome him to Conversations at the Edge to talk about his newest book, which is a a memoir called Many Worlds, One Life. Uh, So Herman, welcome to Conversations at the Edge. And uh, where are you calling in from today? Hello, Alex. I am calling in from Bonn, Germany. Um, You know, today, I know Simon Kutram Partners is in 24 countries. Uh, I'm curious as to how you are able to enter so many different markets. I think there are probably a lot of us leaders in this community who are thinking about moving into a new market, but whether it be a language barrier, cultural barrier, um, you know, it's been tough. So I'm I'm curious as to what your experiences has been uh, as as your organization has done a terrific job with it. In the meantime, we are already in 26 countries on all continents. We even have an office in Africa, in Cairo, Egypt. And uh, the key, the key is people in internationalizing. Uh, We are in consulting in a business where you have to deal uh, with your clients in the the local language. You cannot get everywhere along with, with English. And so we need people from the countries. We need people from China. We need people from uh, Brazil or wherever we are. And attracting these people and and, uh, retaining them is, for me, the challenge of internationalization. Of course, the foundation is that you have specific knowledge that uh, you have competencies which others do not have, which is for us the case with pricing, which is our specialty. Um, That is the foundation, but that is not enough because many people have that, but they don't have the ability to track people from different cultures with different languages and integrate them to to one team. That is, in my opinion, the key factor and the bottleneck, not capital, uh, not uh, investments, but people. And what are some of the biggest mistakes you're seeing organizations make as they're looking to to leap into new markets? Is it that they're not, you know, yeah. spending enough yeah. time and, and resources on, yeah. on those people or is something different? Uh, there are a couple of, of frequent mistakes. One is transferring your own thinking or your own culture to other countries. That is, by the way, the, the biggest problems problem of the Americans. Because when they visit other countries, they see McDonald's, they see uh, Sheratons and Marriott's and uh, Coca-Cola, and they think everywhere in the world is uh, similar or the same as in America. So try to understand what is different in, in, in the other countries. 
uh, and and try to adapt again that goes back to people because people who are from the country can better uh, adapt and then very important patience i mean uh, in, in japan it took us uh, eight years to break even uh, you cannot expect when you go into a new market nobody knows you especially uh, that's true for mid-sized companies uh, that you break even within one, two, three years. No, you have to be patient. So I would say, do not transfer your own cultural attitudes to the new country. Adapt. Local people help you and be patient. Uh, I'm curious first, you know, how did, did you get immersed in the study of pricing? How did that kind of become your niche? I stumbled into it. Because the topic of my doctorate dissertation was pricing strategies for new product. <laughs> if I had chosen a different topic, maybe I would have done something totally different. So I, I started to dig deeply into these issues. And I was lucky to have a professor who also introduced me to, to practice. He did some consulting expert uh, witness stuff and uh, so it was not only theoretical work, but I got uh, in touch with uh, with companies, with leading companies, actually. And uh, there I, I smelled the blood for, for tasting. So it became my vocation. And I always had the ambition not uh, to confine myself to academic theoretical research, but to influence practice. And that's why we found it then Simon Kutcher and partners. And Dr. Kutcher was my first, my first doctoral student when I became a professor. That's awesome. And so I'm wondering if you can share, are there, you know, in your experience, a set number of theories around pricing or how do you recommend mm -hmm. people kind of test and create pricing for their products or services? The most important keyword on pricing is not price, but value. And the Romans were very smart in their Latin language because they have the same word for value and price. It's pretium, like in precious. So value and price must be always in balance. And the first task, is to understand value. Value from the customer's point of view. Because if this perceived value is high, the customer is willing to pay more. If it's lower, the customer is only willing to pay less. So if you take that home today, pretium equals value equals price, you have learned something very, very important. That is the fundamental law of pricing. Are there any in particular, you know, trends uh, that you think, you know, small and mid-sized businesses should be paying attention to into the future as they build new products and services? Yeah, of course, one aspect is globalization. Uh, in the past, globalization was not possible for a small company. Today, with the internet, you can reach your customers all over the world, as we now have viewers all over the world. And um, the second part of this is the global logistics system. You can also get your products to each customer through DHL, UPS, etc. So we have a logistics system which can be used by even the smallest company spanning the whole globe. 
And then digitalization, especially when it comes to pricing, we have now a huge, we have 1,700 people, a huge unit which does digital pricing, uses artificial intelligence, a blockchain will further revolutionize pricing. So we, we, we see a wave and, and that's not confined to large companies. Even small companies can apply these new tools. I'm curious, how do you think about growth and, and learning as, as an individual? I mean, that's obvious. That need not be said that I am reading, listening, uh, talking to people all the time. You can so, see by your bookshelf. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> life is, uh, life means, means learning for, for me and avoiding to get uh, rigid, rejecting you. I'm, I'm not the guy who jumps on every new idea immediately, but I try to understand it. And that is actually one concern of me. I have problems in really understanding Bitcoin, blockchain, quantum computing, and a number of other things. So you could say I'm 74 years old. I need not understand all these things, but I try to understand them. But a young person must understand these new technologies. So life learning is a no-brainer. In your organization, are you, are you connecting the, the learning time and what people are learning with uh, business objectives, or how are you kind of figuring out and helping individuals on on your teams understand what to learn and what's important to learn? Yeah. We have we have assigned courses. For instance, uh, we have a beginners course, eight full days. So everybody who starts has to run through this course, which we uh, do normally in person. So they come to to the US or Europe, uh, a group of, of of thirty people usually. Uh, of course, during Corona, we had to do that uh, online in in uh, in modules, and uh, then we we offer special courses for uh, analysts, and we also offer a lot of uh, courses about communication, leadership, uh, psychology, and uh, if you move up in the hierarchy, you have to go through certain courses and and qualify for the for the next step so we have a real a real system of course when we had only 50 people we we could not have this but today we pay a lot of attention to it and have set up, set up an organizational knowledge uh, management and and learning system which which is i would say quite comparable to what the big guys uh, the big consultancies or, or auditing firms or knowledge firms offer so I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about what is a hidden champion and yeah. why you're so fond of it. Yes, I stumbled into this hobby in 1986-87. Very famous Harvard professor Ted Levitt uh, visited me in Germany and asked the question, why is Germany so successful in exports? And just the year before, we became number one in exports in the world. And I found over the years that this is not due to the large companies, you know, like BMW or uh, Mercedes or Siemens, but that it is due to the strengths of mid-sized global market leaders. And Germany has more of them than any other, other country, many more. But nobody knows them. So they are champions on the one hand, but hidden because they are in obscure markets. Uh, just to give you one number, which you 
can hardly believe. Apple has 767 suppliers from Germany. You would know, would not know any of them. To give you one example, the software behind the theory of Apple and Alexa of Amazon is LSTM, that stands for long short-term memory. This software is installed on more than 3 billion, billion smartphones. Behind all these artificial intelligence, speech recognition systems, etc., is LSTM from Germany, Sajidin Champion. And we have thousands of those. Nobody knows them. And I've written uh, many, many, many books. Uh, they were also translated in 25 languages or so. And uh, the biggest fan community of Satan Champions concept is in China. The Chinese all want to become global market leaders. So they, they are really the, the most dangerous, toughest competitions for, for the German. And uh, we founded a Herman Simon Business School in, in China, which uh, is devoted to this hidden champion concept. Uh, it's it's fascinating. These companies are they often have market shares of seventy or eighty percent. So, in 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 market share terms, they are much stronger than even the the big guys. Uh, everybody knows. If there's any final uh, thoughts from you, Herman, that you want our leaders to take away from from today's conversation, it'd be great. If so you could I share. would start with the beginning. My recommendation, my life lesson is do right what you're doing now and uh, don't have a fixed plan for the rest of your life. If you do it right, you will find new opportunities which bring you forward. And then the last one from the hidden champion, have the ambition to be the best in what you do and focus because only focus leads to world class. And my motto is from the Roman philosopher Seneca, per aspera ad astra on rough roads to the stars. So that's my last recommendation. The way to the stars goes on rough roads, not on easy roads. Per aspera ad astra. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates, or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again, and see you next time.